Hello. I hope you're all having a good night. I am just really excited to get to be with you guys and share from Galatians 1 uh, some things that stood out to me. I hope you're having a good night so far, and I'm just really encouraged that you're here. So I just wanted to start off with that because I think it can be easy to kind of see this night as like a, oh yeah, this is this thing again. But it really is a time where we get to hear just from God's word. Um, and I have just really personally been encouraged by this, even by just studying uh, this week's passage. So first off, I'm going to pray for us. God, I pray that tonight would just be really helpful um, for us in living out what the gospel is in our lives. God, I pray that you would just give us each a clear picture of the lies we can believe uh, and what we can do to, to counteract those. Lord, I know that I need your help in this, and I just pray that you would give all of us a next step that we can just practically take in following you and in living in your truth. So I just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. To start off our devotional this week, I'm going to read the section from Galatians 1 that I was most, um, I guess, caught by. So if you want to have a, if you have a Bible or you want to open on your phone, you can join me. It's Galatians 1, 6 through 8. And this says, I am astonished, this is the Apostle Paul writing to a church, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you, let them be under God's curse. That last sentence is pretty intense. You know, let them be under God's curse. And I, as I was reading this for my quiet time, reading Galatians 1, this section stood out because I know that I personally can start to believe lies about the gospel. You know, I've, I've experienced that. And I wrote down some questions that I wanted to walk through with you tonight. The first question is, what is the real gospel? You know, as Christians, the gospel is totally essential for what we believe and how we act. So we don't want to be confused about that. We don't want someone to ask, oh, hey, what, what is the gospel? And I'm just be like, Jesus. You know, like, there's some weight behind that name, but the gospel is a very clear message in scripture. Um, but people do try to distort the gospel, either because they don't understand it fully or for their own personal gain. So this, this is the first question I want to answer. What is the real gospel? Romans 1.16 gives us an answer. It says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Now, I'm going to read a few more verses that kind of flesh out this idea of salvation. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And lastly, 1 Peter 2.24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. And these verses give us a picture that everyone on earth, every human on earth has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. All of us deserve death because of our sin. But God gives us eternal life through Jesus. And he does that by Jesus dying on the cross, taking our sin on himself, and then giving us his righteousness. So that through Jesus' sacrifice, we are healed. Through his wounds, we are healed and we are saved. So that, that is the gospel. 
And the next question is, how is the gospel confused in our day? You know, Paul told the Galatians that they were turning to a different gospel. And we have the same problem, not just in our culture, but in our personal lives, you know, in our minds and hearts. And I just thought of three ways that I personally have, been struggle, uh, have struggled with this and that I've seen other people struggle with it in turning to a different gospel. And these are lies that sometimes I don't even realize have made their way into my thoughts uh, until I see myself acting out a wrong attitude. I'm like, where did that come from? And so I begin to trace back and see, oh, I was believing a lie about my relationship with God. So the first two lies are almost opposites. You know, it's like you're driving on a road and there's a ditch on either side. It's like you don't want to go in the ditch. You want to stay in the middle of the road. That's what we need to do with the truth. We need to stay straight and not go into either ditch on the side. So the first one is legalism. And this is the one that I personally struggle with the most. Uh, legalism says that you still have to do things um, to, or be a certain way before God will fully accept you. You know, yes, you have to believe in Jesus, but also you have to do something else. That's legalism. And that devalues Jesus' sacrifice. You know, First Peter 2.24, it says, by his wounds, you have been healed. It does not say, you know, by his wounds and reading your Bible 15 minutes a day, you have been healed. Like there's nothing that you need to do uh, on top of Jesus' sacrifice. His death paid for your sin entirely. And God takes Jesus' righteousness and applies it to us so that, you know, the truth, the truth of the gospel is that God accepts and loves us right where we are. You don't have to do anything to be loved by God. And where legalism says we have to do more stuff ourselves, uh, the opposite says, you know, what we do after we're saved doesn't matter. And this is called antinomianism. <laughs> Cody actually did a full uh, devotional about this belief largely last semester. It's the one on Matthew 5, 1 through 26. So if you can identify with this, I would really encourage you to check that one out. Uh, again, I want to look at 1 Peter 2, 24 to address this, you know, what we, what we do after we're saved doesn't matter. It says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And it doesn't say so that we might die to really bad sins, but keep on living for money, or keep on manipulating and controlling other people, or keep on living in worry. You know, it doesn't say any of those things. Because God didn't save us so that we can continue living as slaves to sin. We are saved for righteousness, so that we can glorify God by representing who he is to the world. Romans 6 through 8 uh, have a lot to say about this. So again, if you struggle with this, I would recommend you reading Romans 6, 7, and 8. And then the last way that I've seen the gospel get distorted is the prosperity gospel. And this is the idea that uh, financial blessing and physical well-being, success, are always the will of God. And usually this is phrased something like this, you know, okay, like, if I'm not experiencing success, if I'm lacking in money or if I'm having a hard time uh, health-wise, even if my family is maybe having a hard time health-wise, then there must be something that, that I'm not doing enough. Like, I must need to pray more or give more money. Um, you know, there, there's something that I'm doing that's, that needs to change. And this is really a twist on legalism. It says, hey, if, if you're not doing enough, you know, you're not going to get God's blessing. But 
Uh, there's a couple of things that I want to want to talk about with this. You know, I'm personally tempted to think that when I experience hard things, you know, I'm doing something wrong, because that seems logical to me. You know, but Jesus, in John 16:33, he says that in this world we will have trouble. So that's one source of hardship is just living in a broken world. Another source is God's discipline. You know, uh, in Hebrews it says, "No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful." Later on, however, it produces a harvest. So um, there's these sources of hardship in our life that are not financial success, physical well-being, and health. You know, um, We are called to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. And as we look at this following Jesus idea, you know, I want to look at Jesus' life as well. He was perfect, right? And we're told to be like him. So did Jesus experience financial success, uh, abundance, physical well-being in his life? No. Like Jesus wandered around the countryside. He taught in villages and uh, he walked a lot. He didn't have a Mercedes, you know. And then at the end of his life, he died painfully on a cross. And not just physical pain, he took all the wrath of God on himself. That does not sound like the prosperity gospel to me. And Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 tells us how, how he got through that, what he was looking toward. It says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus did not let current circumstances shape his actions. He let the hope of the future after his life on earth shape them. So this idea that uh, God wants us all to have the American dream is not right. You know, we're, that's not something that is true about the gospel. So how do we recognize a false gospel? Uh, we need to know the real thing personally and intimately. So when people are being trained to recognize counterfeit money, the first step in that training is just getting a feel for the real thing, studying the real thing, getting a personal detailed, intimate knowledge of the real thing. Because then if you see a fake or you feel a fake, you can be like, oh, something's not right here because you know the real thing so well. And that's what we need to do as Christians is pursue this deep, personal, and intimate understanding of the gospel. And the word understanding, it could make this sound really theoretical. Like, oh, okay, yeah, like in my mind, I need to, you know, do this because I guess it'll help me in some way. But what we think and believe has a really, really direct impact on what we do. Proverbs 23, 7, it says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So this idea that what we think, what we believe, what we understand, shapes who we are and what we do. So understanding the gospel is really, really important. And the better we know the real thing, the better we'll be able to identify false gospels. So how do we gain a personal, detailed, intimate knowledge of the gospel? Well, one thing we can do is preach the gospel to ourselves every time we need it. You know, when you start seeing attitudes and actions that come from believing lies about the gospel, remind yourself of the truth and then act in accordance with that instead of, what you're, instead of in accordance with what you're feeling. So I mentioned that I personally uh, tend toward being legalistic the most. You know, I am tempted to believe that God 
uh, won't accept me because I still sin, or that there are still things I need to do to like receive all of God's blessing, you know? And a common way this happens in my life is I'll say something like unkind to someone without thinking about it, or I'll fail to do something that I told someone I would get done. Um, you know, I'll fall behind on different stuff. And when that happens, you know, I'll talk to the person and clear it up with them. I'll say, hey, I'm sorry. You know, will you forgive me? Yes. Okay, awesome. And then afterward, I'll just think, man, like, I, I should have done better. Like, I'm such an idiot. You know, why did I do that? I, I suck. Like, that's a real, real thoughts, real things that I have said um, to myself. You know, I get discouraged and down on myself in a way that stops me from accepting God's forgiveness. And then just moving forward in daily life, you know, I get stuck in that. And it's really hard to do the things God wants me to do when I'm just down on myself thinking, man, I'm just the worst. Like, there's no way that I can do what God wants. So what I have been working on and what I try and do in that circumstance, I'll notice, wow, this attitude is really legalistic. I am thinking that I should be better because I need all of God's love. I'm thinking that being better would somehow change that. And what I, had, what I need to do is remember that Jesus took all the punishment for my sin. I don't have to punish myself by thinking, oh man, I'm just the worst. You know, I'm really free to, to just move forward. Once I'm forgiven, once I've confessed my sin, uh, both to God and anyone that I've sinned against, once I've repented and asked God for help, I can just move forward and trust that God's forgiven me, that I can move on in life with peace and joy and do the things that God's called me to. And that, that truth changes the way I think and act so that I'm not acting out of discouragement. I'm not acting out of legalism. What I'm acting out of is the gospel and the forgiveness of God. So out of the ones that I mentioned, maybe even not in the ones that I mentioned, um, you probably have that one that you tend toward the most, a lie that you tend toward, and a warped perspective that comes with that. So for you, it might be discouragement like me. Uh, it might be worry or fear or apathy, you know, or bitterness, whatever it is, if you see those attitudes come up in your life, use that as a warning light to preach the gospel to yourself. You know, don't get stuck in believing a different gospel. Don't get stuck in that. Preach the gospel to yourself and live out of God's power, God's grace, and God's love for you. So I hope this has really just been helpful in identifying some different ways that the gospel can get distorted, um, maybe even a way that you personally tend to think in that way, um, and just giving you ways to refocus on the truth and then move forward with the right attitude, uh, really just with God and with other people. But I'm going to go ahead and pray for us just that there would be a practical next step that you can take, that you can use something as a warning light, and just remember that Jesus died for your sin all of it. There's nothing else you need to do to earn God's love. In fact, there's nothing you can do to earn God's love. And just the fact that you don't need to be a slave to sin, that God's called you to righteousness. So let's pray together. Lord, I just ask that out of what I said tonight, there would be one thing that you really stick in people's hearts. God, that your word would just have power. Um, Lord, I pray that we would follow you just not only in, in what we do, but also in the way that we think and what we believe. God, we want to believe the truth about the gospel, about our relationship with you, and then just live that out in our daily lives. So please just help this. Um, give us a next step. 
in our lives. I just ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.